had three old dollars, a worn-out car, and a wife who was leaving for good. Life's made of trouble, worry, pain, and struggle. She broke by in the dust on the hood. We found a map in Missouri, and lipstick on a glass. They must have left in the middle of the night. to know the same thing everyone wants to know how's it gone to end behind a smoke colored curtain the girl disappeared they found out that the ring was a fake a tree born crooked will never grow straight She sunk like a hammer into the lake Long lost letter and old leaky boat Promises I never meant to keep And I want to know the same thing I want to know how's it gone Dried their wings, the moon climbed up an empty sky. The sun sank down behind the tree on the hill. There's a killer and he's coming to the right. But maybe he's the father of that lost little girl. It's hard to tell in this light. And I want to know the same thing. Everyone wants to know how's it going to end. Take your wagon and you plow the bones of the dead out among the roses and the weeds. You can never go back, and the answer is no. And wishing for it only makes it bleed. Benny was broken on the wheel, Shane and Bum Mahoney on the lamp. The green was his gold, and Sheila's hair, all the way from Liverpool with all we could steal. He was robbed of twenty dollars, his body found stripped, cast into the harbor there and drowned. And I want to know the thing we all want to know how's it gone to end the sirens are snaking their way up the hill it's last call somewhere in the world the reptiles blend in with the color of the street life is sweet at the edge of a razor Down in the first row of an old picture show An old man is asleep The credits start rolling I want to know the same thing We all want to know How's it gone?
Episode 2. Don't pay the ferryman. One epoch later. Onasa 18th. Great ending Golia's wrinkled bosom was enormous and well-meaning, though claustrophobic, dry and veiny. Her enormous arms squeezed him of him as his cheeks rolled against the lumpy chill of her pearl necklace. Eventually, when she had ascertained all she could from him, her thick arms released like bank locks and he stumbled backward to an upright position. His lungs filled once more with a sad breath of the glowing dust particle-infused air of the parlor lobby. As he straightened his black waistcoat, 
Aunt Angolia's enormous fat face, beneath a tiny olive-netted fascinator that clashed terribly with her black dress, warped and grimaced into an expression that demonstrated all of human emotion at once in the awkward cacophony of a half-bent smile. Stay strong, love, and it's what she would have wanted. Aunt Angolia squeaked as her big breakfast of a face tweaked and twitched, trying to decide if it was ready to leak once more or follow up with a reprise of sinister howling and wailing from earlier. Though, as she snorted haughtily, a tiny husband, an elderly bearded rat of a man, hooked one of her fat pinkies with his cane and much to the homeowner's relief, led her away from the door. Come along, dear. I am sure the young lad is in a bum's rush to kick us out and to get back to the whiskey we gave him. All the best, son of Jim. Wherever she lies in her wooden kimono, I am sure she can see the stars overhead from her new neighborhood. Stay strong. Great Uncle Dane blew at his wife away like a shepherd with a crook and she turned around and blew one last fat wet kiss of attempted comfort. The man at the door sighed, finally able to catch his breath. What an exhausting day. Oh! Aunt Ingolia shrieked as the elevator at the end of the hall dinged and from within its jaws spat out two uniformed men in brass button blue coats and flat military hats. Madam! They both gallantly tipped their hats as they hugged the wall squeezing past Great Aunt Angolia's girth. A well-dressed homeowner at the door in a black suit and black continental tie cupped his hands to his nose like a wigwam. What do you peepers want? I filed for emergency leave as soon as I could. The grizzled man looked at the two bluecoats through tired bloodshot eyes and unkempt beard. My condolences, Inspector Nautilus, but if you wanted the proper leave, you should have filed the paperwork a month ago. The older and larger bluecoat the one with a mustache who didn't look like a boy playing dress-up, flashed him an inky black smile, the curse of a man who spends too much time speaking to and reeking of tobacco. She only got sick this week. Well then, Percy, you ain't got used to your new life yet, have ya? The man at the door's eyes rolled to the back of his head in response, as he mustered any remaining fumes he had left to make it through to the day's conclusion. Hesitantly, he turned to push the door open, begrudgingly welcoming his guests in. The bluecoats followed him, stepping through the door, and beaded entryway into the clean-cut polished tile and stone of the inspector's apartment. Suey! Nautilus, you have a swanky apartment. This must be what it's like to have all the bees. You really get paid this much just to think twice, as hard as the rest of us do, instead of using your muscles for dirty lifting? As the older bluecoat walked in, the younger one carried in with him a metal briefcase, handcuffed to his wrist as he gawked and galled at the high studio ceiling of Nautilus' studio apartment. The inspector led them to a seating area arranged from several leather Chesterfield sofas that sat near a floating, roaring steel fire chimney. The abstract carving of some Promethean deity raised high above the chimney's rectangular pipes. As the men all took their seats on the couch, the younger one licked his lips. Spying the fancy array of half-eaten cakes and high-noon treats that lay sprawled on the coffee table next to half a dozen used plates and a patchwork bucket of ruffled handkerchiefs. Gee golly, is it someone's birthday, mister? The young bluecoat's mouth deserved a swarm of flies. The older bluecoat bashed his protege's sides in with his elbow. The younger man's face dropped as he noted the lack of decorations and put two and two together. Help yourselves, gentlemen. These were Silas' favorite foods. Whatever's left is going down the trash chute. Hell. The catering company's jello trout tasted nothing like she used to make. The young lad reached forward excitedly, the hunger of a sweet tooth clouding his brain. But his hand was jerked back by the heavy weight of the metal case he clutched. The young bluecoat preserved himself as the older one, clearly his superior, guffed. Oh, I suppose we'd better discuss with Mr. Nautilus the reason we are here. You think so, you big greedy Galluk? No, it's okay. 
If we're going to talk shop on today of all days, it would be better to do that with some caffeine in the tank. The tiresome inspector reached for a small silver bell whose handle resembled a jutting bone and he rang it with a lazy swipe of his arm. The party waited in the lounge for a moment before they heard the heavy pounding of bare feet. From around the corner where the kitchen was, a stocky woman in a black frilly leopard print maid's outfit emerged. She was very well endowed in the chest, but due to her thick muscular body, the outfit fit her very poorly as she slouched her knuckles forward with a posture of someone with osteoporosis. Her dirty honey blonde hair, tied in the back by a collection of bead chains, knuckler bones, and colored rocks, fell over her extended facial features as though her long locks were a bird's nest that had just woken up. She grunted as she walked, carrying with her a child-sized bundle in thick black robes and petticoats, and a hood that obscured the child's face. She placed the child on the floor, and the child scampered away, over to a nearby Louisiana doll's house that spilled with dolls and miniature furniture as she opened it. The dragging slovenly maid took her position standing next to the leather couch where the inspector sat. Nautilus. You're so noble at work helping the Canary Crime Division with their missing powders and knickers. I had no idea you frequented lowbrow society. The grim man chuckled with sinister delight and glee. Got yourself a thick little thrall! Good for you. Nice on gauze on her bungas too. The older man laughed a lecherous chimney sweeps laugh. The inspector ignored him as he leaned back on the couch. Yes, well, when the Scramstick's Archaeological Research Society first unveiled what they had trained them to do, I was a little skeptical, but my family was insistent. I needed something that resembled a woman to help me raise Bellatrice, especially with all the bump you and you boys have me working on. Should I have instead asked you to move in with us, Sergeant? Are your hands more dainty? The young blue cook laughed. His superior hit him once more. As he did, he frustratedly grabbed the metal suitcase and yanked it onto the coffee table, knocking over a pile of plates as the inspector Winston cringed. Enough fancy talk, Nautilus. You know I don't care for you, but it's time for your special noodle to earn the case dough. The older bluecoats began playing with a ring of keys, searching for the one that opened the suitcase's lock with calloused hands. Another dame's been blipped off. As the sergeant undid the lock, the inspector massaged his temple. Sergeant Dimple? This is Anachronism City. Someone dies or falls out of a moving vehicle every time the lights turn green. Oh well, let me just punch your ticket if you're so eager to clock out. Here's the payslip, Nautilus. The sergeant angrily flipped the lid of the metal case, revealing the contents inside to the scrying parties, the lying in cutaway foam, the additional metal casing of a projectionist's film reel. I certainly can solve this one dimple. Another maiden dead in Hanumayer after kicking back one too many Mickey Finns while celebrating mediocre success in a talkie commercial. Gentlemen, today was the day of my... of my wife's wake. You better have something more worthy of my time than another dizzy-eyed gutter honey. Here's the thing, Inspector Impatient. We finally have a pattern as to why all these young flowers are wilting. All these minest, daisy-pushing daisies have auditioned for or are working on the in-production Centurion flick at Cephalotus Studios. Another Centurion feature? There are too many of those. I make a new one every ten years and they're out of trite. I imagine if Egerton felt the need to rewrite light another life every decade. Who has time to stop that day to consume this popular culture stuff? Who enjoys all this cape shit? Nautilus leaned forwards and broke a partially crumbling scotch finger. Biting into one half, he tossed the other half to the hungry boy opposite him in the blue coat. The young lad bowed graciously. Actually, a centurion doesn't wear a cape. The lad silenced himself immediately with the biscuit as his senior took over. 
Well, when your department finally proves its worth to the rest of the force, maybe you'll get a medal for your unpopular opinions. Till then, the Centurion makes cabbage for Sullywood. Not to mention between the pulp magazines and the radio plays, the Centurion keeps Budwell cephalotas and eggs and butter men. But this girl makes five, and they all had a connection to the movie picture. Precisely, Pisces. They weren't all stars like Catherine Keitlin Van Valkyrie. We got a makeup artist, a girl in costumes, a set designer, and two big dreamed auditioning bimbos whose only callback was from the Reaper. So why come to me, Dimple? Sounds like this case is all mice and rep for you. Clearly, it's someone in the crew. Why don't the Bluecoats do what they do best and start beating people senselessly until someone confesses? Well, we found this film reel under the most recent drop-dead doll. Something about the case had finally caught the inspector's attention. His eyebrow twitched as he reached forward and hesitated above the reel. Fingerprints? Only hers, otherwise cleaned. It isn't even the same millimeter they use at the studio. The inspector pulled the film reel out of the box and walked it over to the large apartment window whose golden twilight late afternoon light bade the shadows in the far recesses of the studio. The inspector's daughter paused her dolls on a stairwell as she watched on from beneath her black robes. The inspector unwound the reel and pulled upwards a stretch of the film, holding up the netted of images to the light for inspection. This is old school, it has nothing to do with silver scrim cinemation, and it isn't a bloody damned hell dimple. The inspector looked away from the film reel with disgust. Back on the sofa, the young blue coat guffawed and blushed as the sergeant slapped his knee. He had been waiting for this reaction. The inspector walked back over and threw the reel clumsily back into the case, film spilling forwards and uncoiling like a curious python. What's wrong, Papa? The young girls had tracked her father. Nothing, Minnow. The film just contains some scary scenes. Not for the eyes of little girls. The black-robed daughter nodded before turning back with her long sleeves to play with the dolls. The inspector placed his hands on his hips, pacing in front of the fireplace. Why did you bring this mud into my family's home? You get off on that sergeant. That the girl you're trying to bring justice to, sans clothes on the reel? You'll get accustomed to those kinds of films soon, I am sure, Inspector, now that your wife... Uh... The sergeant stopped himself, perhaps finally finding his own slanted moral line. Anyway, it's not what you think. It's a stock-standard penny-munching Nickelodeon, the kind you see on every corner on the Narwhal's hallway. You wouldn't believe how many people get mugged while using them. Of course, they never report the truth of what they were looking at. Anyway, we found one of those near the stiffs of each of the dames. We conducted a professional investigation viewing night and couldn't see anything unusual about the flicks that I wouldn't see down the streets of the hallway myself when my fiancée visits her sister. Condemnation of your personal degeneracy aside, I'm guessing you're wanting me to tell you how it got from a filthy gentleman's avenue to the body of a sullied starlet. And more importantly, why? Bingo! Well done, smartipens. It's like you're a detective or something. The sergeant scoffed finally losing restraint and leaning forwards and scooping himself a platter of coagulated gelat trout. The inspector paced backward and forwards in front of the fireplace stroking his beard. He turned back and tilted his head to look at the leaking film, reel on the table. In a sudden burst of motion, Inspector Nautilus raced forwards and grabbed the film, quickly pulling it up like a rope, scanning each cell of the animation scene by scene. Oh, you took to pornography quickly. She reminds you of your wife. Quiet your gape, please. After a minute, the inspector's body shook with discovery as he dangled the film in his hands. Eureka, my hypothesis was correct. Look at this. The inspector pulled the film towards the sergeant, 
between the miniature heaving still motion of undulating sepia breasts, the raunch had stopped, and in its place interrupted was a single black frame with the smallest of writing. The sergeant squinted. It's gibberish. No, it's a film print. The writing is backward. The inspector moved his head to the other side of the transparent film that he held. It says, Oddlaw, the Oval Queen. That who we're looking for? Some mook called Oddlaw. The inspector shook his head as he slinked more film through his hand. The inspector turned to smile at the two bucos. Gentlemen, give me ten minutes in my lab. I think this film requires a director's cut. The inspector wound up the film, reel, and patted his daughter on her hooded head before proceeding up the floating plankway stairs, footage in hand. As soon as he was gone, the younger blue coat fingered a remaining stale finger bun and sergeant dimple coughed on a fishbone in his gelatine. Nautilus was right, this was a terrible catering company. I didn't know the inspector had a daughter. The apprentice blue coat spat crumbs as he turned to watch the young girl play with her dolls. Yeah, I only learned recently when he had to take a half her because she was sick. Oddly, he doesn't talk about her very much. But then I guess everyone wants to protect their family these days with all the crazies and thieves running around in the night. What you wearing, sweetheart? The younger man asked the girl. She turned around slowly, but kept her hood pointed at the ground. Her long sleeves dusted and pressed the many black robes and petticoats she was wearing. I don't know. Papa said they were morning robes. But I am still wearing them in the late afternoon. Bloody omen, James. Leave the crumpet alone. Hearing of the two gentlemen, the girl turned back to the dollhouse, humming to herself as the two officers continued to eat the leftover finger food. But soon after, there was a sudden and loud crunch and crack. Oh no! Oh, no, no! James the Younger spun back around to watch a little wooden peg doll's head bounce and roll across the tile floor, its body falling in the other direction. He instinctively got the head for her and attempted to hand it to her. But the girl shrieked still in panic. Not quite following the circumstance, the younger blue coat thought he saw a flash of something red and blotchy beneath the young girl's sleeves as she scooched away. But his attention was divided by a very loud protective grunt behind him. He jumped backward as Isla, the very stocky maid, growled at him while clutching a tea tray with shaking arms. The blue coat begged apologies as he slumped back to the couch. The strong, disheveled woman slammed the silver tea tray down on the coffee table as Dimple watched bemused by his lackey's antics. With an air of anger about her, the bohemian maid scooped up the distressed robed girl with surprisingly little caution and dragged her up the stairs, just as the inspector returned, very awkwardly carrying a larder rolled-up projector stand and another case slung over his shoulder. Oh good, tea's here. Bless you, Isla. That will go well with tonight's presentation. Clerk. The fan belt of the old projector light was ancient and noisy. Nautilus had closed the curtains on his scenic city view of Anachronism's mighty, titanic and dazzling hellscape of industry and civilization and the three gentlemen now stood around, eyes on the semi-portable projector screen and what each slide projected. Clerk, an illustration of a mysterious comedic creature, resembling a human skull with goat horns and dollar sign for an eye, sits tongue out in rounded button shorts with a comically tall sailor hat, steering the helm of some kind of big motorboat. There's a musical note quaver, extending from his mouth. What is it? The sergeant said, still not following what the inspector was showing him. It's a cartoon. Well, stills from a cartoon. Only the keyframes occurring every so often. They were dispersed among the evening footage of the female contortionist. I would say this is our teacher odd law. Clerk. A gruff fat cat in a blue coat uniform approaches the skull creature. 
He yells as a series of violent symbols and angry clouds of steam emanate from him. Traveling at normal speed through the station projector, it would have been impossible for the human eye to have picked up on the frames. But here, cut out and pasted into holiday slides, we can see the narrative whoever planted this was trying to tell. Clerk. A black screen with decorated text. You stole my boat out law. Give it back and go to jail. Young James watched wild-eyed, but Sergeant Dimple looked unimpressed. Is that supposed to be one of us? The cartoonist should have stayed in art school. The Paragon Horn Daily does better political caricatures. Does this point to the murderer, or is this just some sick hobby or Colin Carter theirs? Look, the Ablo coin known as Ablo pulls out a gun from seemingly nowhere. The gun's barrel is a large-lipped mouth that spits out a bullet. Oh, now we're talking? This is a threat! They're threatening to kill one of us! Look, the body of the fat cat Blucher drops dead. His spirit rises out of him in a white robe. He now holds a harp, and a halo sits over his head. Keep watching. Inspector, who had now slipped on some reading glasses, pushed them up his nose. Clerk. Skeletons and ghouls burst from the ground of the boat. They reach up and hook the fat cat's halo. Presumably, they plan to drag him down to the underhood. Clerk. Oddlaw laughs with his belly as he turns and approaches the screen, stepping out of a narrowing black tunnel. Clerk. Another black screen with decorative white text. Sick of being pushed around by bloated bluecoats? Sick of living in the filth of the Shaxlums this side of the Grimoire? The Shaxlums? Well, we found this in Honeymire Way. About as far away from the less desirable side of Anachronism City as you can get. Clerk. Aiken Acquisitions is recruiting today. If you have talent, seek first the waters of life, and good things will come to you. Clerk. The projection ended with a scratchy flutter. Inspector Nautilus leaned back on the fireplace mantel. My analysis is this, Sergeant. While your boys booze in the clubhouse, another street gang has popped up like a fungus in your ever-growing list of factions disgruntled with and attracted to the way your rotting department is mismanaging the Grimoire. This is what? Half a dozen now since last year. This is a recruitment flick. And if it was found on the scene of every murder, the gang is looking to recruit particular talent. You best pray to the old ones that this new gang deals in petty crime like the Lampblacks, because if they're anything like the Hog Goblins from Butcher's Block or Fenergard, well, then you're going to be doing a lot more paperwork than that of five bodies. If the damsel count keeps stacking up, you might be looking not at one serial killer, but at a multitude who have fittingly picked Cephalotus studies as their contested battlegrounds before recruitment judges. Strife of a sinner. Last thing the boys need is to fight more killer gangs in the filth. The administration will bust our balls if panic spreads to the skyways. What do you suggest, then? A genius! I suggest you take this finding back to Zion's Cunningham at the Warwatch and tell him to double the bluecoats on the Cephalotta studio law. I also suggest that now that I've tirelessly done half your work and earned half your paycheck for you, you and your boy wonder. Leave my house immediately. I have to lay my wife's ashes to rest tomorrow. E. Underhood knows, if I don't have time for my own thoughts soon. Well, maybe I'll start killing people, too. Playing dice and the horses. Yes, 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 yes. 
from Saratoga to Timbuktu. And now that I'm running my last mile, honey, what's going on? Please make my wish come true. All I want is lavender coffin, white gardenias all around, swing bands playing, the funeral march as they roll me into the holy ground. All I want is lemon sweet maidens, they're all singing that you got to be him. Singing around my lavender coffin, swinging in the funeral steps. St. Peter, I'm a coming. St. Peter, yes, I'm a coming today. St. Peter, yeah, I'm a coming. So open all the gates on my judgment day. Hear those angels solemnly swinging, Gabriel blowing. That's all I want is my lavender coffin When they lure me into the holy ground St. Peter Well, I'm a-coming St. Peter I'm a-coming St. Peter Hey, Peter, I ain't been bad So open the gates on my judgment day Stop to say a prayer 
It won't do any good They're multiplying in the air Creatures of the deep Are going without sleep And phantoms of the dark Have their own place to park No need to lock the door They're sprouting the cracks they're making room for more they're deputizing maniacs prehistoric ghouls are making their Directed horns are passing out the guns. No need to cause a fuss. Don't go and make a scene. They know what's best for us. They're fighting fire. Gasoline. The creatures from the swamp rewrite their own mind comp. Neanderthals amok, just trying to make a buck. And goblins and their hags are out there waving flags. Oh, when will we be rid of monsters of the age?